Today, I also want to let you know that we are rebroadcasting this at five and seven tonight, and then also tomorrow morning. So, for those relatives who decided to show up late, thinking they wouldn't have to come to church with you, so about four thirty, you can just shut down the food and just go. Hey, listen, just want to let you know, you thought you skipped out, but we having church up in this house right now. We're gonna have ham in a little while, but we're having church right now. All right, so make sure you enjoy that. We've been in a series all entire month around this O Holy Night song. And the first verse says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, which has been the title of our whole series. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. We've been focusing on the thrill of hope, but today I just want to take a minute to talk about the world that we live in. That it truly is weary. It's tired. It's, it's grasping and crying for hope. You probably know some people like that, that what you're seeing in our world right now is people are looking for something. The hearts of humanity are seeking something. And what they don't know is that it is only found 
in Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. There's no hope in government. There's no hope in a brand new president or a brand new Congress or a brand new Senate. There's no hope in wealth or money or success. There's only hope or the thrill of hope in Jesus Christ. So surely as Jesus was born 2,000 years ago to a virgin in Bethlehem, as surely as Jesus went to the cross, as surely as he died and was raised from the dead, so sure is this thrill of hope that we can participate in. You know, when you think of the Christmas story, I think of all the characters. I think of Mary and Joseph and the wise men and the shepherds. I think, I think a lot about Mary, you know, because most theologians, most people believe that she was probably like 12 or 13 year old, years old when she was about to get married, and this angel Gabriel shows up and says, hey, you're going to have a baby, but not just any baby, you're going to have God. That would freak you out. We have quite a few young ladies that are pregnant on our staff, and I can imagine what they were going through, because they're planners. That's why we hired them. They're good. And they, I'm sure that they would be thinking, so would God get a normal stroller? Or does he get a special stroller? Does he have a, a, a you know, special playpen? You know, do we have, is he going to sleep all the way through the night? I mean, it is God. He should understand that I need to get some rest. They should sleep, right? I'm sure that all of these things were nine months, Mary and Joseph were in anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. Now think about the wise men. I don't know how long ahead that they realized after reading the prophecies that were written about this Messiah, this Savior, this Redeemer that would come. They, they probably left a year in advance in anticipation. And then on that wonderful night that we're celebrating today on, on Christmas is, is when the shepherds were in the fields and the angel comes and says, hey, listen, you guys need to get ready because this amazing hope is gonna come to the world, the thrill that they have. Why is Jesus considered hope? Why is he considered? Well, first of all, salvation and eternal life only come through Jesus Christ. I know if you're kind of new to Christianity or new to church or new to God, maybe somebody invited you to today. You think, well, what do I need to get saved from? You know, I'm doing okay. Well, the greatest, in my opinion, what I believe our greatest salvation is being saved from ourselves. Because sometimes we can be the best sabotagers of our life. And part of sal- salvation is understanding that not only are we going to experience heaven in the future, eternal life, but also we can have a little bit of heaven right now. Like we can understand that it's going to be okay, that we can make it through this. And that's what Jesus did when he went to the cross. John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son, that whosoever believeth in him shall have everlasting life. They're not going to die. They're going to go on and on and on. Salvation uh, is present in all three tenses, past, present, and future. In the past, we were saved when Jesus took the cross for us. We are today, we are being saved every day as we work out this thing called salvation daily, trusting God. But yet we will be saved in the future and we will not, we will die, but we will receive this inheritance, this place called heaven. Theologically, that's called justification, sanctification, and glorification. First Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy 
has begotten us again to a living hope. Everybody say hope. Come on, say it loud like you mean it. Say hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we too have eternal life. So why is Jesus called the hope of the world? Why is he considered hope, salvation, and eternal life? But also redemption and forgiveness. Ephesians 1 says, in him, in Christ, we have redemption. What does it mean to be redeemed? Well, in the beginning, Adam and Eve messed up. They blew it. They disobeyed God. And they broke the relationship that humanity had between God and man. They disobeyed, and as a result of sin, missing the mark, disconnecting, disobedience, God decided right in that very moment to start a process, a plan, to bring in a Savior that would redeem us, that would put this broken relationship back together so that we could experience the Father in the true sense through our faith in Jesus Christ. And as a result of that redemption, God said, okay, all right, look, I'm gonna repair the relationship, but I'm also gonna give you forgiveness because I know you're gonna screw up. Come on, anybody mess up before? Raise your hand. Remember, if you lie in church, God will kill you right here in the spot. (laughs) We've all messed up. We've all fallen short. We probably messed up yesterday. You might have messed up this morning. Come on. All the men said, please don't tell on me, Pastor. That's why God said, I forgive you. I release you. And as a result of that forgiveness, guess what? We can forgive other people, which we're supposed to do. So redemption breaks us free from the slavery of sin. And forgiveness keeps us free from the slavery of sin. Hope is that great exchange that happens. Jesus, listen, took all of our sin upon him and he said, in exchange, the great gift that he came to give us, he gave us his righteousness. So that now we can come right to the very father of the universe and have fellowship with him. So why is Jesus called the hope of the world? Salvation, eternal life, redemption, forgiveness, but also comfort and encouragement. So no matter what you're going through, no matter how much it hurts, no matter what the storm is, no matter what the problem is, no matter what the challenge or the uncertainty, you can put your hope in Jesus. Because we're all searching. We've all been in that place where we don't know why we're going through what we're going through. John 16, verse 33 says, these things I have spoken to you. This is Jesus actually talking to you. He said, that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. You're gonna have some hard times in the world. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Don't ever let a preacher tell you, a pastor tell you, or somebody on a platform tell you that you're, if you become a Christian, you're never gonna have a hard time. Not true, not true. The difference is, is that when you have the hope of the world, when you do go through a hard time, you have someone to lean on. You have a savior who loves you. And he'll always tell you, hey, listen, listen, I know it hurts right now, but it's gonna get better. Everything's gonna be okay. You're gonna be all right. You're gonna make it. You're gonna get up one more time. That's why Jesus told us in Matthew 11, he said, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? He said, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. 
I'll show you how to take a real rest. And that's where you find it. You'll find it in God. You're not gonna find it in drugs. You're not gonna find it in alcohol. You're not gonna find it in another girl, another relationship, another marriage. You're not gonna find it in another job, another million dollars, another car, another house. You always find it in Jesus Christ. So you can make plans. Listen, you can make plans on that hope. You can make decisions on that hope. You can stake your lives on that hope. You can stake your future on that hope. The world will tell you, don't do that. Don't make that decision. It's false. No, no, no. Our lives are built on this hope. He is our anchor. He is our blessed assurance. He is our rock. He's our security. He is our stability. Listen, hope is not a wish. Hope is a fact, and he was born on Christmas Day 2,000 years ago. That's hope. Hope. So, where do we go from here? Well, at the end of the Old Testament, there's a book called Malachi. Okay, I call it the Italian prophet, Malachi. And he gives a prophecy. Now, what the people that heard, Israelites, heard from Malachi, okay, he's right out of New York. They heard, but they didn't realize that this would be the last thing that they would hear for God from God for 400 years. They had no idea. And here's what he says. He says, look, I am sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before you. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, whom you look for so eagerly, is coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, who he was talking about was John the Baptist. Okay, FHC, FHC kids, we're going to give him a nickname. His name is JB, all right? So, so kids, John the Baptist, his nickname is? JB. JB, JB for short. Now, what's interesting is I believe that JB's spirit, John the Baptist's spirit, is present and alive right now. And that spirit is the Holy Spirit. That spirit that rested on him, listen, to prepare the way for Jesus to come is available today. Matter of fact, I think he's here in this room today. I think, I believe the Holy Spirit is what drew many of us and continues to draw many of us into the very presence of God. Now, you may not recognize it because you think you were invited, but the Holy Spirit was working. You think it was just a random internet search but the Holy Spirit is working. You think it was just random, just, just you moved because of a new job. The Holy Spirit is working. You thought you were getting out of a crazy liberal state, but it was the Holy Spirit working. Somebody said, amen. See, the Holy Spirit is always working to remind us everything is gonna be okay, just have hope. Tomorrow is going to be better than today. Just have hope. You can confidently expect things to be good. Just have hope. And what's interesting is when you see the interactions between JB and the people and JB and Jesus, you can see this drawing that hope does to you and me. I want to share a couple of these interactions with you that I think are interesting. Because the same Holy Spirit that worked in John the Baptist is working right now. He's drawing you, pulling you, saying, hey, hey, come come this direction. 
I want to introduce you to someone. The first time we see John the Baptist, and by the way, John the Baptist wasn't the one who wrote the book of John. They were two different Johns. John the Baptist is approached by some religious people. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the wooden seas, and the couldn't seas. My wife hates it when I do that because I've done it for 30 years. But I love, it just, it, when I say it, it just rolls off the tongue so well. Wooden seas and couldn't seas. And they think because of John's preaching that he's the Messiah, like he's the one. And so they send these religious people to John to ask him, hey, are you the Messiah? And they ask him in, in verse 19, they said, who, John chapter 1, they said, who are you? And he confessed, John, J.B., confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not, I am not the Christ. If you want to write something down on Christmas Eve, hope changes our identity. Hope changes our identity. I got saved in November of 1990. Prior to that, I was a good sinner. I had practiced sinning. I knew how to do it very well. I was very far from God. I met this cute little blonde in a fraternity party. We're still trying to figure out why she came to the party. She said it was missionary dating. Don't recommend it. She said she wasn't drinking. She was the designated driver. And, but I meet her. I'm dressed like a tree. It was a jungle party. And I had a, you know, Speedo on and some vines all over me and a hat, you know, and I walk up to her and I use my best line on her. I said, hey, can you hold my beer? And uh, that was my best line back then. Worked, but not on her. So anyway, she, 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 you know, is not interested in me at all because I'm a jerk. This was my BC days. I wasn't a Christian. I was very far from God. Matter of fact, I had this Jesse Ventura kind of faith. If you're over the age of 45, you know who I'm talking about. Jesse Ventura was a wrestler, WWF, not WWE. This was pre-WWE, WWF, and he became the governor of Minnesota. And he said on the radio, listen, if you're weak, you need faith in God. And I was like, I'm not weak. I don't need faith in God. So that was my mentality. So I was a drinker. I did drugs. I loved to fight. Matter of fact, I finally convinced her to go out on a date with me and I almost got in a fight on the date. I thought I was impressing her. She was like, you're crazy. You are crazy. I don't want to be around you anymore. I got this guy by the throat. I'm looking at her. I'm looking at him. I said, should I punch him or hug her? I don't know what to do. Because I was a jerk, man. I was hopeless. I was lost. I was hurting. I was misinformed. I was misled. I was broken. I really thought I, I was something until hope. Until I bumped into God at church. I thought all churches were the same. So I walk in this church one day, very similar to Freedom House Church. And it wasn't religious. It was relational. The people really wanted to be there. It wasn't like when my grandparents took me to church when they had the right parking spot and the right seat and everything had to be exactly right, it was just raw and real. And I met Jesus, and he changed me. I realized that what I was trying to be was not who God wanted me to be. Yeah. See, we often discover who we are by first finding out who we are not. Yep. Hope introduces us to the person God made us to be. Here's another encounter. Matthew chapter 3, 
we see where Jesus is getting ready to start his ministry. He's 30 years old, and he shows up at the shore at the edge of the River Jordan, and John the Baptist is doing his last name. He's baptizing. That's not his last name, but just throw that in there. So he's baptizing people, and when Jesus shows up, John has been given a directive by God on some things that he will know to recognize when the Messiah actually shows up on the scene. And so Jesus shows up, and John goes, that's him. And then Jesus says, I want you to baptize me. And John says, no, 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 no. I'm not even, I can't even tie your shoe. You need to baptize me. And Jesus said, no, that's not how it works. You need to baptize me. And then we know the rest of the story. John baptized him. The Holy Spirit falls on him. What's interesting is that I, I was, I, I, for me, I had a plan. I had a pl- I think we all have a plan. And for me, when I became a Christian, I, had a, I thought I had a good plan. Because before I was a Christian, my goal, my purpose in life was to make a million dollars by the time I was 30. <laughs> Not a very good purpose, but that was my purpose. But when I got saved, I said, all right. Well, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I can, I can do the money thing. I'm going to make some money, and I'm going to build the kingdom. I'm going to sow into the church and give until God said, no, that's not how we're going to do it. And so he, he said, I want you to preach. And I'm like, no, I don't want to preach. It's way easier just to make money. I don't want to do all that stuff. That's just way too involved, and I don't know how to do that. And then he sends me the first time to this, this under-55 Medicaid facility. Because I felt like, you know, I'm gonna, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to give it a shot. And so I went to preach. And it was a, it's basically a crazy house is what it was. I'll never forget when I went in how fulfilled I was. What happened in my life as a result of moving away from what I thought, like John, you need to baptize me, to actually following God's way. Because, yeah. see, hope will challenge our way. Yeah. And give us a new way. A way that's not going to be necessarily easy, but God-filled, full of hope. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Psalms 37 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. The prophet Jeremiah says in chapter 10, O Lord, I know it is not within the power of man to map his life and plan his course. So correct me, Lord, but please be gentle. See, hope changes our identity. Hope challenges our way. And then lastly, hope confronts our doubts. Everybody look at me for a second. It's okay to have doubts. JB had some. The last interaction that he had with Jesus John the Baptist, led by the Spirit of God, was in prison because he called out a leader's sin. He got thrown into prison. And Jesus is doing his thing, preaching and doing miracles. And then John the Baptist is like, I wonder if that's really him. Now, this is when I used to read this passage, I got really confused because just a few chapters earlier John the Baptist had baptized him and called him out to be the Messiah and now just a few years later he's in prison and he's doubting that Jesus is the son of God very it's conflicting for me 
I realize that this happens to all of us because we, we see God move in our life and then something help happens that we don't like or maybe we don't think God's involved in or maybe it's because of our own consequences. And then we start to doubt, well, God's not real. Like, like, there's no way that he would let me go through this because John is now in prison. And so he sends two disciples to Jesus while he's preaching to ask if Jesus is the Messiah. See, I think that John had doubts because he thought, well, if he's the Messiah, why am I in jail? Like, he should get me out. I'm the one that baptized him. Why ain't he helping me? So his two disciples go to Jesus and they go, are you the one? Are, Are you the Messiah? Are you the guy? Jesus does not answer them. He doesn't go yes or no. He says, go back and tell JB. Go tell him. The blind see. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised and the poverty, the, the poverty stricken are, are, are set free. Go tell them, go tell them everything that you see. When I read that, I believe that the Holy Spirit can capitalize on our doubts. Yeah. I really think he can. I think often you and I have doubts and it's okay. You say, well, what about you, pastor? Do you have doubts? Sometimes. I don't necessarily doubt that God is real, but I sometimes doubt, like, how about you show up? I could really use you right now. I need a little help with my kids because they are driving me crazy and you said you gave them to me and I can't sell them (laughs) and I can't kill them. So, Lord... Or, you know, we stood together in holy matrimony. And again, Lord, you gave her to me. But man, she's crazy right now. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. We start to doubt. Like, am, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? Am I acting the right way? Am I following God like I should be? John the Baptist is the one. He's in prison and he's doubting. But think about this. Jesus said, go tell him that the blind see. Think about it. Do you remember when you didn't know where to go and I showed you? Open your eyes. Or the lame walk. Don't you remember the time I helped you make that decision? You felt paralyzed and you weren't able to make another step, but I showed up. The lepers are cleansed. Do you remember when you made that mistake and I cleaned you up? You were full of shame and guilt, but I got rid of all of it. Or the deaf here. Don't you remember when all hell was coming against you and I spoke to you in that whisper about that problem? That's what happens. The Holy Spirit can capitalize on that, those doubts. See, hope changes our identity. Hope challenges our way and hope confronts our doubts. Won't you stand with me today? I want to pray for you before you go. I really struggled about telling this story, but I'm going to tell it in this service. I didn't tell it in the last service. Yesterday, 
my wife was going through the presents to make sure everything was right for the kids that are coming over. And she screamed, ah! And there was this mouse in there, in our house. Mouse in the house, somebody's crazy. She goes, there's a mouse. And so she goes, don't kill it though, it's cute. <laughs> like what? Don't kill it, it's cute. She goes, well just don't do what you gotta do with it, but I don't know. I couldn't find him. A few, few, maybe an hour, hour and a half later, our dog Snickers is, is over in his, near his bowl. He's going, ruff, ruff. And I'm throwing, I bet you that mouse is over there. And so Penny gets up and walks over to the bowl and looks in the bowl. And the mouse is in the dog food bowl eating the dog food. You know what she said? Don't kill him. He's so cute. So I threw a towel over him and took him outside and, you know. <laughs> I didn't kill him. See, that's a, you got a terrible. Y'all are all sinners. I threw him in the lake. So I called my exterminator, and he. Uh, I said, "Hey, man, I got some mice in my house. What do I need to do? Where do I need to go?" And he told me what to do. And I said, "Well, he goes, what did you do with the one you caught? Because I sent them the video." And he says, "I threw him in the lake." He goes, "You know that my." my mice can swim I'm like yeah right and he sent me a story and he said there was a true story 1956 they did a study and they took mice and rats and they threw them in the water and after 15 minutes the rats and the mice would start to sink and the doctors would come in the researchers would come in and save the mouse or the rat and they pull it to the side let it rest up a little bit and then they throw it back in the water again to see how long it would last and they wondered is is the mouse going to last another five minutes another 10 minutes another 15 minutes another 30 minutes to their amazement the mouse swam for 60 hours in hopes of being saved see it's amazing what you'll do when you have hope. It's amazing. See, when you know that there's hope available, you'll keep treading water. And for some of you today, you need to realize that Jesus Christ is your hope. Keep swimming. Now, I'm not calling you a rat or a mouse. Please understand that. I'm just saying for you, you need to keep swimming. Don't give up, and today's your day. The Holy Spirit is drawing you. And would you close your eyes? And would you do me a favor and just grab the person's hand beside you? Just grab their hand. Just grab their hand right now. It's okay. Just grab their hand. If you're here today and you need that hope, if you're here today and you are, are in desire of knowing the true nature of who Jesus is, listen, it's not, it's not some wish. It, it's, it's a fact that Jesus came to this earth for you. He truly is the hope of the world. You can build your life on him and maybe you need to be rescued today. Maybe you need to be saved today. Maybe you need to have that hope in your life if you need him today. Maybe you knew him at one time and you know that you moved away from God but you wanna get right back in that relationship with him. What you sense right now is the spirit that was on John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit drawing you, saying, I wanna heal that relationship. 
I want to heal your heart. I want to help you. I want to be with you. I want to be your friend. I want you to know it's going to be okay. If you need Jesus in your life, you want Jesus, you need a Savior, you're ready to end that that pattern of sin, that repetition of sin, and you're ready to give your life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to count to three in just a second. When I do, I just simply want you to squeeze the person's hand beside you. Just squeeze their hand. If that's you, I just want you to squeeze their hand. We're going to pray for you. Ready? I want hope. I need hope. I need to know that I'll be rescued. I need to know that I can have Jesus. You can have him right now. Ready? One. Give your life to him. Two. Just squeeze that person's hand. Three, squeeze it right now. Squeeze it right now. Now, if somebody squeezed your hand, do me a favor. Lift it up in the air for him. Lift it up in the air for him. Lift it up in the air. Look at all those hands right there. Isn't that fantastic? Keep it up for Just look around, everybody. Look at all those hands. Look at all those hands. Isn't that fantastic? You can put it back down. And can we give God just a big God bless you for all those people that raised, squeezed that hand. Now, real, really quick, and I want to pray. We're going to pray a prayer together. A confession, because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. You'll know. I can keep swimming, man. I can keep swimming. I can do this life. I can keep swimming. I can keep swimming. We're going to pray that prayer in just a second. But the reason why I wanted you to squeeze somebody's hand, because I want you to know that's what community looks like. That's what church is. Church is not perfect. There's nothing perfect about church because it has people involved. But you need a good community. If, you're, if you don't have a community, come to Freedom House. We love, we do this every week. Every Sunday, we're here. And if you don't live by here, we have other campuses all over. And we'll help you keep swimming. We'll help you keep taking that step that you need to step take. I want to pray for you. Let's pray this all out loud. Church family, would you join with them as they make this confession over their life? Say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that he is the hope of the world. Thank you, God, for sending your son to die for me. Be raised from the dead. I believe that he is the Savior. I am saved. I will worship you and I will serve you all the days of my life. Lord, help me to keep swimming in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap.